we were, um, we, this June in Canada is Pride Month. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll bring it up a few times this month, um, especially. And part of it is because um, our siblings in the queer community have been um, set aside and marginalized for so very long. And so we want you to know that you're valued. I'm going to put this up at one of the um, communion stations. This was a gift that my son got from a friend of his who painted this for him. And it's sign language for important, worth it, and valuable. And we take pride in giving you importance, worth, and value here at this church. And so this is just our reminder of that. Now we're going to go to the round table, which um, when we are on Zoom, we all um, are given a question and we can just chat about it for a few minutes on screen. Um, here, we kind of just turn to our neighbors and have a little chat. So this morning's question leads into what Morgan's going to be sharing with us this morning. And it, it's, um, what does making peace look like in your life? And you might segue to how do you make peace with yourself or how do you make peace with others? Now, we only have a short few minutes to do this, so maybe try to make your points or whatever in a minute and then let someone else beside you do it. And if there's more time, you guys can have a little back and forth, but we want to at least let everyone have a chance. Now, if you're not the type of person who wants to engage on this in any way, you can just say, uh, no thanks, I don't want to say anything or pass or go out on the deck for a few minutes. Like, you have options. You are not being coerced or forced in any way to do this, but it is kind of a fun way to get to know people. So for the next few minutes, um, just uh, maybe groups of two or three, um, what does making peace look like in your life, and how do you make peace with yourself or with others? Hear the chatter and the sounds of people engaging and um, talking about actually quite significant things, and maybe things that you wouldn't normally even ask someone you've never met before. So I'm just going to take a minute uh, to set a focus for communion. Um, just this last week, um, Brad and I had the privilege of having dinner with uh, a British um, poet by the name of Malcolm Gite. I don't know if any of you know him. I know Sarah does. We're crushing on him majorly. Um, his hair like mine, so how could it go wrong? Um, anyways, um, <laughs> yes, my beard isn't half as bushy as his. That's right. Um, so he's, if you have a chance, or if poetry is something that you really enjoy um, reading, he is quite amazing at it. And I'm going to use um, one of his um, poems to 
to set us right for communion this morning. In Mark 7, this is the context to his poem. In Mark 7, 31 to 37, we find a story of Jesus healing a man who's deaf and has a speech impediment. As the story goes, this man is brought to Jesus in the midst of a crowd, but Jesus takes him aside and puts his finger in his ears and then spits, not sure exactly where that is, and then touches his tongue. And then Jesus looks up to heaven with hope and faith, and then he just lets out this big sigh and says, be opened. And with those words, the man could hear, and his tongue was loosened, and he could speak. So this is the story that's the backdrop for the poem for our communion. And it's at the communion tables this morning as well, um, both in large font addition uh, for some of us, and for a takeaway uh, piece of paper if it's something that you want to take with you and ponder. So the poem again is called Be Opened by Malcolm Guite. Be opened. Oh, if only we might be. Speak to a heart that's closed in on itself. Be opened and the truth will set you free. Speak to a world imprisoned in its wealth. Be opened. Learn to learn from poverty. Speak to a church that closes and excludes and makes rejection its own lit litany. Be opened, opened to the multitudes for whom I died, but whom you have dismissed. Be opened, opened, opened how you sigh, and still we do not hear you. We have missed both cry and crisis. We make no reply. Take us aside, for we are deaf and mute. Spit on us, Lord, and touch each tongue-tied tongue. So we will enter into communion during sung worship, which will start now. There's a table on both sides. There's a picture. Um, above each one, um, and you're welcome to go um, partake. There's a question on the table uh, below the poem that's written there, and um, and just take a moment to ponder what that might mean. I'm going to ask you to make a little more room, and I know I'm asking a lot, but I have this feeling that dessert's going to be really good. This is my friend Morgan. And sometimes she lives far away. But right now, and for a while, she's going to be here close by. And um, we've asked her to share this morning. And I trust that what she brings this morning uh, will be exactly what we need to hear. So Jesus, I ask that um, you would just give Morgan all the things that she might need uh, to share with us this morning, whether that's like all the way from courage to, um, I don't know, I just, all of it, 
Just give her all of it that she needs and give us open eyes, open ears, open hearts that are willing to hear what you have to say to us today. Amen. Thank you, Eden. As I was preparing, like, how do I start this? I was like, you don't need to introduce yourself. And then I came here this morning, and I was like, there are some faces that I know I don't know, and I know they don't know me. So my name is Morgan Moen. Uh, pronouns are she, her. If you want to talk with me and, like, I'll recognize, uh, that's me. Um, my parents are Karina and Josh, but also, you know, I'm my own person. That's part of how this works, too. Uh, so I have been away <laughs> been away for the past little bit. Um, I finished my Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, Honors, and Religious <laughs> Studies. I'm a bit of a nerd. If I were to relate to any movie characters, like I feel like, um, oh not movie character, like book character, anyone like Wrinkle in Time, like Meg Murray, that character spoke to my heart and my soul. If you're at all interested in what it would look like for like Morgan to go through a breakup after a long-term relationship, Celeste and Jesse Forever, played by Rashida Jones, <laughs> my girl. Anyways, that's me. If you haven't seen any of those movies. I'm a type A kind of person that just wants you to know that I'm not, that's not all about me. I really care. I love people a lot. And so this morning, you'll probably see a lot of that. So uh, for those of you that don't know, it is Pentecost Sunday. That gives me a lot of mixed feelings, both about Pentecost itself and about Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to pretend that I'm inviting you, but really I'm inviting myself as well into this. I invite us all this morning to just play and be curious um, around this because I have no other way to go about this how to preach. So <laughs> here we go. Um, this morning, it's funny, Sarah last week mentioned something briefly about, isn't it funny that we often look down on our Jewish roots in terms of Christians and whatnot, and isn't that funny because we've got a lot to learn from them, and last week I went... Yes, Sarah, I agree. Funny you should mention that. I'm already like halfway through my talk talking about that. So I'm considering it just a natural continuation of what you just briefly planted. Um, so connecting with our Jewish roots, because I think there is something to at least be learned or considered when we're talking about Pentecost and possibly about Holy Spirit. Um, so Pentecost, Acts 2, I don't know if all of y'all were like me and it's like Acts 2 and I know, oh Pentecost, like if you don't have that immediately in your head, bless you. Like that is a blessing that you didn't have that many sword drills in your childhood. <laughs> so I'll give you a quick little summary. Uh, Acts 2 verses 1 to 14, essentially context, Jesus has gone ascended. We're assuming he's up in heaven. I sure hope he is. Um, and the apostles, the disciples are just hanging around. We'll get to it. It wasn't just any normal hangout, but they were hanging around, and all of a sudden there's wind, and there's the tongues of fire, and they're about to be like, whoa, bro, what is happening? Turns out they're speaking in different languages. They didn't know they knew. They're not just talking to their other Jewish buddies as well. They're talking to people beyond, and whatever, however big the world was for them at that point, they were able to communicate with people across their world at the time. And that was pretty cool. And a lot of stuff happens after that, once again, I have mixed feelings about, but it's, that's fine. It's the Bible that we have right now. Uh, so reconnecting with our Jewish roots a bit, it starts with the, really the only verse that I've used for this talk this morning is verse one, not even compl a complete sentence. And it's when the time of Pentecost had come. 
and when i read that at first i was like, oh, this is like omniscient author being like, when the time had come for the thing to happen, the thing happened. and i was like, good, cool, love it when the author does that. but pentecost, when the time of pentecost had come was actually referring, it's a greek word that is referring to a jewish festival called the festival of weeks, shavuot, which i didn't know about and it's really interesting because this is a festival where the Jewish people are coming together to remind themselves and commemorate when God had revealed himself to them, to Moses, to the Jewish people through Torah. So it's this reminder of, remember when God revealed himself? And then isn't it interesting that God's like, I'll reveal myself through Holy Spirit, because, you know, you're my homies. I'll, I'll do it in a way that's, you know, culturally relevant to you. Also, a quick note, when I'm referring to Holy Spirit, I'm going to use she, her pronouns, because when you look in the Bible, Holy Spirit is referred to in anything but masculine terms. It's neutral or feminine. I couldn't find anything that said otherwise. If I'm referring to God, Old Testament, he, him, if it's somewhere in between, they, them. That's how I work. Anyway, so God is revealing herself in a way that's culturally relevant to the Jewish people during their time and context through the Festival of Weeks, and that just seems important to me. And so once I started reading about this, it made me curious, because again, I can't do anything else, I'm just curious and I'm playing around here. It made me wonder if there was something that maybe was revealed about God through Torah that maybe I've missed in translation when I think about Holy Spirit, because the way that I understand Holy Spirit just hasn't been working for me the past couple of years. I don't know if you're in a similar boat, but I thought, well, there's no hurt in being curious and seeing where it takes me, and it took me somewhere fun, so welcome to the rest of my talk. Um, <laughs> what I do know, mostly through my time, um, religious studies, biblical studies and whatnot, is that um, there is a difference between how Jews interact with the Torah and how I was taught to interact with my Bible. And the big word that you can throw around later to impress all your friends is that I was taught how to use a univocal perspective or interpretation of the Bible, whereas there's a multivocal way that we can interact with the Bible. So univocal would be I come to the Bible and I expect to find the truth and the interpretation. It's like very goal and outcome oriented. And then at the same time, I know the Christian next to me and next to me and next to me and whatnot will get the same truth, that same interpretation. And if one of us isn't getting the same interpretation, one of us is wrong, probably going to hell, but that's beside the point. We're all aligned, uniformity, hooray. Multivocal Torah, also, I am moving around, I hope I'm not. You're good. Okay, you're brilliant. Multivocal Torah, there is a different, like right from the get-go, I'm not necessarily looking for a goal or an outcome, I'm there for the process of interacting with God, revealing himself through the Bible, which first of all, I'm like, whoa. When I go to the, the Torah as a Jewish person, I'm not actually Jewish, but let's just pretend. If I were, what I would be expecting is to get truths and interpretations. And I know the person next to me would be getting possibly different truths, maybe overlapping, but truths and interpretations. There's this um, phrase in Hebrew that I'm not going to say, but translated into English. It's the Torah has over 70 faces or facets of interpretation. Over 70. I'm sure there's some significance to 70 that they're using, but the point is there are a lot of different ways that God reveals himself through one little piece of scripture. 
so this was a little like, okay, so that's how God is revealing himself. I know I've gotten rid of this more univocal way of interpreting the Bible. I wonder if that can apply to Holy Spirit. Because I'm curious and I do whatever I want. So, <laughs> that's my justification. It's really hard when you tell yourself and grow up, you have to justify everything. And then you decide to not one day and you're like, I don't know. I just don't care about what you think. You're here listening to me still. Um, but what happened was when I started going, okay, multivocal Holy Spirit, can that work? Does it, how would, what would that look like? As I started thinking about it, I realized that I've actually been doing it for the past couple of years. I just haven't been calling it Holy Spirit, which that's fine, but I haven't been calling it Holy Spirit, and I've already been learning things about what is true about Holy Spirit and the multiple voices and ways that she speaks to me. And so, what is that like, you may ask? Excellent question. Um, Yeah, it's very interactive. Uh, The best way for me to frame my experience in a way that, at least for me, helps me be more process-oriented and less like, this is the goal, the end goal, um, is a framework um, used by Sonia Renee Taylor in her book, The Body is Not an Apology. She has got um, a series of like, they're not quite questions, they're not quite prompts, they're kind of just statements, I guess, um, called the three pieces. And this is like peace, love, and joy, not like pieces of candy or pieces of furniture. Three pieces, and and they are as follows. There is peace with non-understanding, peace with difference, and peace with your body. Uh, Sonia's book in particular is focused on like, not quite body positivity, but body neutrality, celebration, all that good stuff, dismantling fat phobia, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, so when she's talking about peace with her body, she's talking about like, skin on your bones kind of thing. But for the purpose of today, I think it is equally true that there is a layer of making peace with what is present, what has been present, and what will be with you until you die, just like our bodies. So making peace with not understanding, making peace with difference, and making peace with what is present and what may potentially be present till the end. So these three pieces have kind of helped me through this process of having a multivocal Holy Spirit, or what I would now call Holy Spirit in me. So to begin, peace with not understanding. This showed up best for me in therapy. Sorry, can't help. I was a religious studies major and a psych major. We're gonna talk about feelings now. Uh, Peace with not understanding. I don't know about you, but if I'm in the middle of say, you know, an anxiety attack, as one has those, I'm in, this is this is my anxiety attack mode. This is what happens. I'm like, hmm. So I'm in the middle of that. I have never out understood my way out of an anxiety attack. I don't know if anyone else is better at me than this mental health thing, but it doesn't work for me. I can't be like, oh, it's exam season and like, you know, my body is stressed and I went for a 10 to 15k run for no reason. I don't know how dysregulated I am, and I just, oh, that's why. Yeah, all of those things combined together. Oh. I can breathe again. Isn't this great? I love this. No, that's never happened. Peace with understanding. When I've let go of understanding in those moments of high intensity, it could also be grief. It could also be moments of depression. It could be like fight, flight, or freeze mode. I'm sorry. I am going to give you a lot. I'm just going to give you a bit more space. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Sarah, but not too far, right? That's good. Not too far. I will also just... You need to calm down. Okay. Um... (laughs) In those moments of making 
peace with not understanding why this is happening other than I just know that it's happening right now. It's been really weird to notice how Holy Spirit comes with me in those moments. And I was taught that anxiety is bad and it's like the devil inside of me. It's been really weird to have Holy Spirit with me go, you don't feel safe right now. Oh my gosh, what tools do we have? Okay, we're going to shut down. Yeah, let's shut down together. Really weird when Holy Spirit as protector Mm -hmm. is using the same tools that are in my human body, not just like, God is my protector and the hedge of protection. No, he is often, or she is often there in those moments where I am shutting down and she is going, I am protecting you. And so just when I get comfortable with the idea of, okay, I don't understand why this is happening, but I know that there's like this holy thing and happening with me right now, another part shows up. I told you there was going to be more, more space. Another part shows up, and all of a sudden she's like, I am so sad. It's like, are you kidding me? I had enough trying to like not understand and make peace with not understanding with this one part. Now you're telling me there's another part. She's like, yep, guess what? I'm sad that you feel like this is how you have to protect yourself now. Maybe there's a little bit of understanding, and maybe it's like, I know you shut down when someone raises your voice at you because when you were four, that's what kept you safe. That is so sad. I wish you weren't 22 and doing the same thing. I feel so sad, and in those moments, if I feel God of understanding, Holy Spirit comes to me just as much as comforter, and at the same time is protecting me in the same moment. It's a bit of dance, and so once I'm like, okay, I can dance, I'm Mennonite, I'm not supposed to do this, but like, we can do this, we can do this. Sidestep, that's all we can do, right? Mennonites in the room, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a third part, and I'm like, oh, frick. And it's anger, and anger's showing up, and is saying, I'm angry that, say, three-year-old Morgan had to learn to be safe in that way, or maybe there's an element of truth in that I'm angry that you're 22 years old and your boss said that. That's not okay. It was never okay. And Holy Spirit as advocate is just as present in me in those moments. So I'm doing a waltz now or something like that. And sometimes more parts come up and sometimes less don't. But now we have moved on to peace with difference. Don't know if you noticed that transition. And that's a lot of work too. Noticing within myself, okay, I, I can't even like understand all of what is happening and yet I feel like there's a sense of Holy Spirit in me but there's multiple there's different parts it should it should just be one thing I was taught that Holy Spirit should only be revealing one piece of herself and on top of that I'm not entirely convinced that Holy Spirit only reveals things about herself or about the nature of God if there's any discernment with like Holy Spirit I know Holy Spirit was like discern and it's like is it your body or the devil or is it Holy Spirit I think often Holy Spirit is either revealing something about herself or she's revealing about something about me. This is true for you. You don't feel safe right now. Let me reveal something about you in this moment. But out of all of those two, it's the third piece, peace with what is present and what may continue to be present, where I experience most of God revealing herself and her position towards me, which is... You can shut down whenever someone raises your voice right now, and you can continue doing that for the rest of your life. I'm still going to be just as present as your protector and as your comforter and as your advocate to infinity and beyond because it's not a condition of my connection and love to and with you. 
I don't quite believe that half the time, but I tell myself that it's true. It is a lot of work because for me it's a protective thing. It's like, oh, but if I just, like we know that when there's difference inside of me and things aren't all the same and I don't understand, like I just know that everyone is just more comfortable and like I receive more love and connection when it's all uniform and I understand everything. And lately my work in therapy and with what I've been learning as Holy Spirit has convinced me that it's anything but. It's in those moments just as much when I don't understand and when there is difference than those moments where I do understand and there is uniformity and it's beautiful. There's just as much love and just as much connection in those moments. Uniformity and understanding are not prerequisites for God's connection and love with us or for our love and connection with ourselves and with others. And I have blown through this a little bit faster than I thought I would. Way to go, Morgan. Um, I think this is really important for us to get comfortably uncomfortable with, especially in a world that's becoming increasingly polarized. Have you ever heard that phrase before? It kind of makes me cringe now. I'm like, oh my gosh, we know we've been living it. Get over it, Greg, or something. I'm sorry if there's anyone in the room named Greg. I don't need it. It's just the name. But what I've been experiencing, I know, in me, is let's let's use an example that'll out myself a little bit. Let's say I get angry about seeing a Canadian flag on a car. Oh, I just went. <laughs> yeah, discernment. Is that God revealing herself and her position to that person, or is it revealing something about me? Probably something about me. Probably. There are other ways and directions that we could go that lead to a bunch of other things. I know there are exceptions. Don't worry. Starting with me, and I feel like there is this when we go and do peace work or when we go and love our enemies, we have to make sure that our like our stuff is all uniform and there's no difference inside of me and I just have love. And I'm not sure that that's possible or very Jesus-like because if I'm fully human, then my human experience includes all of these parts. How the heck am I supposed to love my enemies if I'm only supposed to be this uniform blob of no feeling and just love and nirvana. Like, that would be great. That would be ideal. But I wonder if there is a way to loving our enemies in a way that acknowledges, oh, this makes me very angry right now. I've got a lot of different parts, but the biggest one right now is anger. And it might not go away. I think that's the big... If I just make more room, more space for dialogue, if I just... If I just be a bit more Jesus-y, what if being Jesus-y in that moment is going, yeah, this is true for me right now. Holy Spirit is revealing a lot of things about me, so maybe she can reveal a way that might look different than what everyone else is doing for loving my enemies. You don't have to go into every conversation with a family member because you go into a shutdown mode. Because... Jesus doesn't make us sacrifice ourselves and our sanity and our safety. Sure, we get uncomfortable sometimes, but I don't think that that's God's heart, is to sacrifice things that Holy Spirit is revealing about us that is true and real and hard. In a nutshell, Pentecost is a thing. 
Holy Spirit is a thing. I went down this rabbit trail because I got curious about Judaism. That's just how it always goes. I'm like, I have so many books on Jewishness in my library. It's a bit embarrassing. Multivocal Torah maybe can be applied to multivocal for Holy Spirit in me. What that looks like in me is making peace with difference, making peace with not understanding, and making peace with what is present and letting go of this idea that somehow I'll reach perfection and that maybe I'm just as connected to love and to God in those moments. And that maybe I can be just as connected to others in those moments as well, as they are also just an important sign. They have multivocal Holy Spirit in them too. We're not, it's not like you're an exception, a multivocal Holy Spirit person and you're just dealing with uniform blobs. No, you're going to deal with a lot of other multivocal expressions of Holy Spirit. How do we navigate that? How do we find a way to be Christ-like in a way that lets Holy Spirit reveal things about us and about herself? I don't have answers, but that's just where I'm at this Pentecost Sunday. So I think we're going now into Q&R, and Eden is going to help me out with that, I think. So if the church, I grew up thinking it was most important to be good. (laughs) I think, um, you know, it's about 20 years ago that um, I discovered God telling me that it was actually way more important to be real. And I think that's what Morgan was demonstrating to us this morning, that we are beautifully complicated beings who God loves in all of our messy complicatedness and can speak to each of the facets of who we are and how we feel and how we're presenting in this moment. And he's not afraid of that. He doesn't turn away. He stays with us and he speaks to us and and they're near. Always near. I'm just going to close with a benediction. May the God who loved the whole of the world so much that they simply couldn't stay away and so they put on skin to come and walk with us go before you to guide the way to the truest, fullest version of yourself. Go behind you to encourage you to leave behind anything that would require you to be less than whom you are clear God created you to be. Be above you to watch over you, shielding you from any harmful thoughts, words, or deeds from yourself or from others. May the divine go beside you and become your most intimate traveling companion. May you, may you walk close enough to be able to hear them say, you are one of my favorites, just like everybody else. And may God go within you to give you the peace that passes all understanding, a peace that makes no sense at all, the peace that comes when we despise all the shame and are able to proclaim in every context and in every corner of this world. This is me. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.